seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother. Welcome, friends, to episode 169 of Color of Magic, a magic and gaming podcast where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their computers and gaming tables. I am your host, Daquan Watson, and for 169 episodes, still got my dude, Brian Allen, with me. How you doing, man? Oh, doing all right. No, uh, no major complaints. Dude, I, I've been good up here. We've, it's been a little rainy, but otherwise, like, the temperature has been nice. It ain't been bad. Like, it, this is all right. Though, fair warning, I did have an issue. Like, I got, matter of fact, when we're done recording, I got to go spray some, like, distilled vinegar in, on my floorboards because I had, like, a, a windshield cover just in case it snowed or whatever to, like, keep things from frosting up or whatever. So I took it off, you know, once everything passed. I put it in my back seat, but I didn't shake it off well enough. So that that water and condensation just got all in there. Oh, dude, it even. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, it even got to where it like would fog up the inside of the car. Like it's a don't do that, people. Like just just pro tip: don't leave anything wet in your car. <laughs> right. Like it it can be worse than you think. Seriously, it's more headache than you need to deal with. But before we get into the episode, you know what we got to do? We got to tell you about our friends over at Cardsphere.com. Go over and use their site. They are good people. They support great up-and-coming creators in our magic space. And they have a really cool, innovative site where you can literally name your price for whatever you want to buy, sell, trade over there. It's awesome. You should check them out. And they even have an active Discord. So if you have questions or you want to check out conditions of stuff or chat with other people, you may actually be sending something to. It's all there. Go check them out over at cardsphere.com. And if you want to support the show directly, go over to patreon.com slash color of magic. And you can be just like one of our users. It just goes by Nico. But thank you, Nico, for being a supporter. And finally, you can go over to colorofmtg.com slash shop and pick up some tokens and play mats and rep the show while you're out and about. We'd appreciate it. And it's cool when I see those out in public. So thank y'all. It's always awesome. But let's get into some really interesting topics because i think this show has a theme of value on so many different things this week it's going to be very interesting you know i kind of have the rabble rousing group as as a meme sound effect (laughs) but it kind of was like that on monday (laughs) uh for those of you don't know that if you're not sports fans uh there was I mean, we can call it a tragedy, I think, that that happened on Monday night live during the football game where a gentleman, uh, well, we saw a tackle that genuinely looked like a routine tackle. Uh, I don't know how else to describe it. It didn't even, it wasn't even, it was less than a routine tackle. Yeah, it didn't in any way look dangerous or violent. Yeah, it's just, you know, grabbed the dude by the waist. They both went to the ground. It wasn't even like the dude he tackled fell on top of him even. No. It, was, it was a very nothing tackle. But that's what made the next four seconds really scary is that when he got up and you saw him kind of wobbly and then he just fell over flat on his back. And it was like, that's not good. You know, and I remember watching and telling my lady, like, we've seen injuries when dudes have a bad collision you know, dude gets concussed, whatever. And you're at least like, okay, that's normal. I get it. Like when nothing happens and, and a, that happens to a dude, that's real bad. Yeah. Right. 
And immediately, we you saw people from both sidelines come out. You know, all the training staff from both sides were immediately working on this guy, right? They, that's the fastest I'd ever seen an ambulance EMT come out of the back, too. Like, everybody knew immediately this was bad, right? And that that's how you knew, like, nope, everybody knows this is not a normal collision. Because, like, hell, we've talked about it before with Tua getting his whatever, what, fourth concussion of the year or whatever, yeah. right? We know what that looks like. This was not that. So immediately, everything kind of went sideways. Everybody's trying to figure out what to do. And, you know, and and we talk about this more on, on the, the Patreon episode, by the way. That'll be out just later for y'all. But it was interesting to see the reactions to it. Because, again, outside of just the bad actors that wanted to turn it into some anti-vax thing for whatever reason. That's frightening. Yeah, like, but not unexpected. Either. You know, they have this belief that well, people are just falling over because they took the vaccine or what. I don't know what the new conspiracy theory is. That's what it sounds like. But what it turns out is this dude just effectively had a heart attack. You know, an impact that can cause your your heart to skip or whatever can create some irregularity that can cause your heart to shut down effectively. So they were immediately doing CPR and everything else. And this is an injury that, as it turns out, you know, can happen to every sport that has any type of collision at all, effectively. You know, you get hit that just rumbles your body and humans are fragile and weird things happen. And it was a weird situation because the only thing we had to relate to it was, hell, 50 years ago. Yeah. You know, 1971. So it wasn't something everybody had anyone really it, it probably in the stadium or you know on the staff or the players for sure had ever experienced or seen before so it was very very different for everybody involved but then it led to a whole lot of conversation and like you know even people complaining about just going to commercials and worrying about paying bills and whatever it's just like there's so much going on here to process and break down and you saw it on the players faces you know they said at one point as soon as they knew they weren't going to continue the game, Stefan Diggs just loaded up and went to the hospital to be with his boy. Yeah. You know, like he just left. <laughs> like, it was like, I'll find a way back to Buffalo or whatever, you know, whatever the situation was. Like, so it's just a crazy, crazy time to see something like that go down. And we all kind of had to figure it out in real time. And I think that led to the issue of we've almost put too much of a importance on instant information. And when people weren't able to get it, it almost seemed like some people were being frustrated by not knowing. You know, and I was literally just sitting there going like, hey, we, we've had, hell, anybody who's played outdoor sports, you know, lightning strike happens, like games postponed for a minimum 30 minutes. Yep. So you just go wait under the bleachers or in your bus or whatever it is. And, you know, an hour, an hour and a half later, you go finish playing whatever it is you're going to play. So, like, we've had delays before, so I was like, whatever, let's let this play out an hour or so and, you know, let people get their stuff together. Because, honestly, there was a point probably about 30, 45 minutes in where I knew we weren't going to continue the game because the players looked messed up. Like, I think there were some number of players, like a lot of people, that thought the dude might have just died. Yeah. And and I was like, yeah, there's no way you're going to get these dudes in the headspace to go beat each other up. For another, because they were barely, they weren't even done with the early part of the game yet. You know, we were just getting started. Yeah, we were like halfway through the first quarter. Yeah, so like you're telling them they still got to go out for another roughly hour and a half and beat on each other. You know, after you just saw one of your dudes go down and possibly die, right? Like that, that wasn't going to happen. 
and ultimately they did. They they postponed it. But at this point, it might just be canceled. We, I mean, yeah, because I mean, we're you know, we're uh, taping this on a Wednesday, so week week uh, NFL Week 18 basically starts tomorrow, Thursday night. So yeah, if they I, hadn't restarted by tomorrow. We have a whole new week of NFL to play, so they're. I can't see them announcing they're postponing Week 18 half hour, 24 hours before it happens. I think it's and, probably and, just canceled at this point. And let's have an – well, first off, update on the guy, on Hamlin. He's actually, I guess, progressed to a positive level because when I eventually got him there, he was intubated. Then they got him on a ventilator. And last I heard as of last night, he was on 50% oxygen on the ventilator from like 100% or whatever it was, right? So he's breathing better. He's at least stabilized, still in critical condition as last night. I don't know what the update is today. I've been busy and haven't checked. But he's at least doing better. So that's that's the good news. But I'm thinking about, like, what do these players do? Like, even this week. Like, let's say, ignore this game. Like, maybe we just say this game's canceled, whatever it is. It is. We stick with the final score of, what, 7-0 to zero or 7-3, to three, whatever it was. That's the ball game. What do you, like, are they even ready to play this week? Because, you know, they got games coming up on Saturday and Sunday. Like, are, are, I mean, like, you had five days to get over your, your buddy, you know, like, drop dropping out just flat. There are some field. people probably that will never be over this, and you can understand, you know, how. Yeah. It's it's tough. Like, and, I, and I tried to put myself in their shoes. Like, am I okay with it? Like, would I be able to, like... And there were some stories going on today on on Twitter where people were sharing stories of employees that had died on the job and them still having to work. Oh, wow. You know, and because somebody initially shared one, I think it was for Amazon because, you know, everything's bad about Amazon warehouses, apparently. But and then the next person was like, oh, no, I worked at like a one of the grocery stores, like an Albertsons or something. And they were like, oh, yeah, we just covered it up and people were still like shopping around the guy. I'm like, what dog like? At least if it's just employees, that's one thing. Like, you're just gonna leave a dude covered up with with just civilians up in there? Like, what? But yeah, so apparently this is just a thing that goes on. Like capitalism, hell, man. Like, I've never had it happen. I've had yeah, people. I saw, get- I saw idiots on Twitter talk about, well, you know, uh, soldiers have to keep going when one of their when one of their buddies falls. Like, wait, that's not even close to the same. No, no, that's thing. that's wartime. That's people knowing that you're like you're in a situation where people might get shot or whatever. And by the way, the, the, those that are fortunate enough to come home after seeing that are often not okay. Yeah, they got trauma, for real. So, like, so th- this is a tough thing. I, I. I mean, I didn't. Okay, first off, I didn't realize how common it was for people to have people drop dead at work, and y'all just work around, literally work around them. Not like we we close the store for an hour. EMTs got the dude out of coroner came, whatever. This is just like person covered up, and people are still working around them. Like that. That is mind blowing to me. Because I'm like you know, we could move, at least move a body. Like, we ain't got to just, you know what I mean? Like, that's, yeah. like, even like thinking you said, about it. you know, capitalism, where we just kind of yeah step it, over people and keep going. It has me messed up even thinking about it. Like, if your boss says you're going to do it, you're going to do it. Whether you want to or not, you don't probably have a choice in a lot of cases. But I couldn't imagine being at one of my jobs and being like, oh, man, like, 
you know, so-and-so just passed out, whatever. We do CPR, we realize they're not going to make it, whatever. And then they're like, nah, just cover them up. We got 20 customers to serve or whatever. Like, dude, what? <laughs> like, really? Like, that's crazy. But again, you're right, right? Like, I don't know if these people ever get over this entirely. Especially if you were close to them. Yeah. Right? And fortunately, they did the right thing. Like, apparently his mom was in attendance. They made sure to grab her first. And they held up the the ambulance till she was down there so they could, she'd go to the hospital with them and all that. So, you know, they I, I think... In the end, everything got treated properly, but the situation was so scary in the moment. Like, I, I have never seen anything like that. Like, where effectively nothing happened. Yeah. And then a dude just fell. Right. And I was like, oh no. Right? I remember having and that unless thought. Of, you, you know, unless you were alive when Chuck Hughes collapsed, like you said, 50 years ago, you know, you haven't seen anything like that. Yeah, it's crazy. Nothing like that has happened in the NFL since then. And, you know, I think it was Ryan Clark. He said, like, you know, he understood as a player because Ryan Clark also had his own health issues or whatever. But I believe he played in the NFL for like 11 years, something like that. It was a pretty long career. But he even said, like, they all understand. You put your name on the dotted line. You know injuries are a thing. You know you may have some permanent damage to a joint or whatever. But nobody's thinking about that because it just never happens. Right. Like you sign your name, like, okay, cool. I'll get $10 million. Maybe I'll have a bad knee when I try to chase my kids around when I'm 50, whatever. Right. Yeah. That you completely understand because you've seen football players from, from, you know, even five or 10 years ago. Hell, Jerome Bettis talks about that was his hardest thing is trying to play with his kids when he retired. Yeah. You know, because he had two bad knees. To be fair, though, he ran pretty hard and reckless a lot of the time. So you sort of know he was going to have some bad knees. Yeah. But, yeah, it's that crazy. Earl Campbell running style over you. He, he he didn't avoid contact. He yep. sought it out. You don't go around people. You go through people. Yep. But yeah, so it was tough. But it, it did get me thinking about how it relates to us and our community and in games and stuff. Is just everybody wants all the information immediately, all the time. And it's just like, man. And, and I even see it in, in my videos, right? When I put stuff on YouTube, somebody will comment on a thing. Because they literally saw one thing, and then they have to write this whole narrative, you know, 15-line paragraph or whatever, when that's literally answered like three minutes into the video. Well, I mean, let's be perfectly honest <laughs> about it. Gambling is, you know, the elephant in the room. There, there are not, that, especially outside of the fan base, there are not that many people who care whether the Bills beat the Bengals. But there are millions of people that had bets on the game. They play fantasy football. Dude, so yeah, those are the people that are just like, why haven't they decided this? And you know, and because your average would, person doesn't care. And I would imagine, like the sports books are just going to cancel those bets, kind of like what happened during COVID. There was a lot of things they got. Yeah, I think they through. they just said, look, everybody, everybody in this game got a DNP. You know, yeah. So if and they that's restart fine. it, then we'll <laughs> then you can bet on it again. Otherwise, we're just, yeah. same way, especially for football. You know. When you put a bet on somebody, they may go out there and their leg may snap in six places. That's just part of Dude, that's bro, part of anybody that's played fantasy football. Hell, if you played fantasy football this year and you had T. Higgins three weeks ago, he literally came out, played like three snaps, and came out of the game. Yeah. Because he had an injury. They were like, ah, oh, he's good to go. And he's like, ah, it still doesn't feel right. And they just pulled him out. I was like, oh, that that crushed people. Because that was right before, like, the last week before playoffs or whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, he if you had Tua, <laughs> you know, you've been on a roller coaster. Oh, yeah. If you had Tua, you got wrecked for two, three weeks in there. 
Yeah, those are the people that can, again, outside of those two fan bases, who cares whether the gamblers, that's who. And that was part of the NFL's calculus, I'm sure, because, you know, they used to kind of keep, well, in my life, it's been three different ways. When you and I were first growing up, Jimmy the Greek was a thing on, you know, the, on the, the NFL today, right oh, yeah, next yeah. to, you know, yeah. your color commentator, your play-by-play commentator. Here's Jimmy the Greek to tell you who to bet on this week. Yep. And of course, he said a bunch of racist stuff and he got fired. And then you know, it just kind of, they all of a sudden kind of started pulling away from the, obviously, I don't know that most newspapers ever stopped publishing betting lines, but on, on TV, certainly it wasn't talked about. Then here recently, we've gone from it's gone the complete opposite direction. Where now FanDuel or whoever is the official betting partner of the NFL, or, yeah, <laughs> and no, it's slowly becoming legal in almost every state. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, like they just legalized it in Ohio, I think, either today or yesterday. And Pete Rose placed the first bet, and you know he didn't do that free. You know what, though, more power to him. Well, yeah, because I mean, that's, that's if you ain't getting to the Hall of Fame, and he yeah. probably isn't in his lifetime, get yeah. your money. And I guarantee you, he he probably got—I don't know if he got six figures, but he probably got like fifty k or something to do a big he's PR like, thing like that. So he's like, already lost him. it, but he made it yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it's like good on him. Like get paid. I I ain't mad about it. But yeah, I don't know. I I feel like we kind of end up in that situation with wizards a lot too, where people see a thing and all of a sudden they want every bit of information, every explanation, help. People are like, who was in charge of this team that designed this thing and blah, blah, you know, like, yo, slow down. <laughs> like, I get it. Information is strong. Information is powerful. But we also have to say, like, there's a lot of considerations to a lot of things. You know, we don't necessarily need to know every single aspect of every single thing especially if it's stuff we're just engaging as a fan or whatever like we don't have an actual business interest in it or whatever like there's no reason for us to know some of those things you know and i've I've had people even ask me like find it weird that i don't know how old all my friends are and i'm like because it's not important it doesn't come up until it's their birthday and then they just tell me right if unless we go to a bar and you're like uh i don't think i'm gonna be allowed in Right, like then, then I'll know you're under 21, and I'd be like, and "Wow, that's point, something I don't should have know. very many friends in that age group." Oh yeah, I have zero. Yeah. I, I can't remember the last time I hung out with anybody that was hell probably under 25, much less 21. So like, it's just not a thing, right? So it's one of those bits of information that I'm okay just going like, "Yeah, I don't hell, I don't know how old you are, and I've known you for hell. We're probably coming up on 20 years or something soon." Right, <laughs> like, like. I have no idea. I, I don't know how old anybody I hang out with is until they, you know, just bring it up in conversation and say something. Mm-hmm. But I know people, they're like, how can you not know? I'm like, oh, uh, it's just not important. Things that are you important. Say, Why would you need that information for yeah. anything? <laughs> but there's people that are like that. They got to know every single thing. And I'm just like, wow. You know, even on cards, I'm like, eh, it's cool. I don't, I don't need to have a favorite artist or whatever. I just like, I like playing fun cards that are interesting. And you know, it's cool if I like the look of it and that's a bonus, but like, hell, I was that guy growing up. I, you know, to this day, I can't name members of different bands. I listen to, I can just tell you, I like their music or I don't. Hell, I still had trouble for a while on some songs selling feels like you two or Coldplay. <laughs> like, and people thought that was crazy. I'm like, I don't know, that man. Does seem a little sacrilegious, but I'm but like, I feel I like, just, I just enjoy the song. I, I don't care. But again, who does you're it. not a huge music person, so I get it. 
Yeah, like I enjoy the music, but I don't need to know everything about it, right? But there's people that function in a world where the minute yeah. they don't know something, something's wrong. You know, and I don't know. I just prioritize again. It's what you place the value on, right? Like yep. for me, it's like, does this thing not knowing that piece of information affect my interaction with the product? If the answer is no, then like I don't care if I know or not. Like it's literally that simple for me. Like it's it's pretty binary as far as that goes. Which, you know, maybe is too logical <laughs> for me, but it's, <laughs> but it's like other stuff, like when it comes to YouTube or whatever, I'm sure I want to know way more about that than other people care about it because their interaction is just watching their favorite creator. Me, we, we were like, talking about that because, you know, Tish is like, how can they not have this stat or this thing? And I was telling her, the majority of people aren't YouTubers, so they don't care about yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like for as many YouTube creators as they are, if you compare creators to the number of viewers, it's yeah. probably less than one hundredth of one percent by comparison. Right. So it's like, why would they do those things? As or a why viewer, I don't care, you know, what Mr. Beast analytic on this particular video is. I, I by the way, I don't know if I brought it up last week, but when he shared the stat of he looked over all his numbers and figured out that roughly one percent of all the people on the planet have seen a Mr. Beast video. That is wild. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> like, that's such a huge number. It's like McDonald's. <laughs> you know, yeah, right? Right? Five billion served or however many they have now. Now, to be fair, for him, like, a bad video is like 50 million views or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it kind of makes sense. <laughs> and he has several that are like multiple hundreds of millions of views. So, like, the math works out, I'm sure. I'm not going to go and, like, try to double check them or whatever. I mean, the numbers are big enough that it makes sense. But yeah, like everybody needs to know something different. We don't need to know every single thing about everything. I think we just cause ourselves more stress or whatever, worrying about some of that stuff. But like I said, it was cool to see most of it get resolved the way it should have. I, I do feel for him, uh, for the players. I don't even know, even for some viewers, because I mean, I have no relation to the guy, no investment in either team, really, for the most part. Outside of, you know, again, some fantasy football considerations or whatever. But even I was just like, I, f I felt weird, man. Yeah. Like watching it, I've just like immediately had that fear of like, oh, no, like th this. He may not get up from this. Now, it, it certainly looked like the NFL tried to restart the game and the Bills just said, no, nah, we're not doing this today. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be one of those things that I wouldn't be surprised, like, six eight years from now we see a deep dive like 30 for 30 on or something right. you know like what really went down that day i think it's, you know kind of like when we saw the oj chase like we yeah. we knew there was more going on but like we didn't know you know what i mean we got our basketball game interrupted for the oj chase i was doing a a feature on a band a local band in streetport and i felt so bad for them you know it's obviously a big thing for them somebody's coming in you know to, to write about their their concert and just so happened it was a night of the oj chase and same thing kept happening somebody would walk into the bar what's going on oj killed his wife probably he's on the lam and they would go immediately to the bar sit down and pay almost zero attention to the concert going on in front of them i felt so bad for them the thing is for people who don't know when it happened live it was during i want to say like game two or three of the nba finals that too and, yeah and you just got this picture in picture of just this like blue SUV on the highway. And there was no explanation. It was just like, why, why are they 
showing this like car chase or whatever. And then when they put it back up the second time, there was like, oh, that's OJ. And everybody's like, why the hell is OJ running from the cops? Right. Like, yeah. And it just distracted. But I actually, if I remember right, that was like a weird day in sports as a whole. Because I think it was also like the was it like the last tournament that Arnold Palmer played in or something. And there, there was like a tennis thing. There was like four or five things that all lined up on the same day of just making it like a really weird news day for yeah. sports. Like, yeah, just just a very interesting bit of history. I think that got a 30 for 30 somewhere along the way, too. By the way, yep. if you've never watched a 30 for 30 series, I would go look it up because every single even if you're not a sports fan, every single one of those is great. Yeah. Like they talk about so many things from like the human perspective or how it affected society or whatever. Like they're they're all great. Like and you and even being a pretty serious sports fan, I've learned a lot from watching those. Like it was very very cool stuff. Like for the OJ one, they had one of the uh, jurors, uh, the uh, older lady, and she basically said she knew that OJ had done it. The evidence proved OJ had done it. But she felt like she owed the LAPD one. <laughs> you know, she, Dude, she I, not guilty. I still stand by the fact of OJ would have went down for it had they not put Mark Furman on the stand. Because the minute the dude leading the investigation won't answer a question, I now have to have doubt. Like, everything was so close that I'm like, man, OJ probably did this. I think and then, they, they made so many mistakes. I think even without Mark Furman, I think they still lose that case. Oh, no, I think he was the closer. I, I think they had no he chance. Did, he certainly that. didn't think they help, but I yeah. think it was largely over when they tried the glove on and it didn't fit because it just made them, it didn't even make them look incompetent. It is incompetent. Oh, yeah. As a yeah. lawyer, you are never supposed to ask a question to which you do not already oh, know the answer. Of course. But I remember being in, in high school and we saw that and I came in because we were following the trial each day and I came in and I remember telling my teachers like, He's going free. That was the first thing I said when I walked in class. Yeah. She was like, how do you know? I'm like, because the lead detective couldn't answer a question. But, like, but when somebody references that trial, what do they say? They don't talk about Mark oh, Furman. Yeah. They talk about, if it doesn't fit, you must acquit, is oh, the no, quote no. everybody remembers. Because it's such a funny quote. But the reality is, if I'm on the jury, like, you've now given me an insane amount of doubt. Like, even if I think he did it, I now have to question everything from that point on. And now I now I can't convict him. Like, and honestly, to this day, I'm gonna get some hell for this. But like, I don't know if he actually did it, but I think he oh, was responsible. But I think he was okay. responsible in some way. Yeah, ab- I he, absolutely. I don't know if he physically did it, but I either mean, his blood is all over the crime scene. We we we, we, we got I, all. I'm just saying. The- but I, I either I have a feeling he got somebody to help, or somebody came in and did it, or he pissed some people off that he was responsible for it in some way. So I think he still basically did it, but like, we, we're just never going to know now, even though he did write the book of, if I did do it, I was going to say, <laughs> this that is how I would have done it. it. You know, like, I think that's pretty much because it's sadly, you know, the way double jeopardy works, he could admit to it now and he wouldn't be criminally civilly liable. Yes, but he can't be held criminally liable for it. Tell me that is not the most messed up move in the world, by the way, like just title the book. If I did do it, <laughs> like it would have oh, yeah, been like horrible. <laughs> Whoever was advising him, that, that's that's like that R. Kelly thing he put out that song recently where he just admitted to to being a creeper. Like, dude, what are y'all doing? And how crazy is it that you know basically Lifetime is what got R. Kelly put away? Yeah, basically after all the documentary. You know, 
what you would consider legitimate journalism sources f- tried, fired, and missed, which to their credit, they did incredible journalism. It's just when he went to court, it was like the OJ, they couldn't find 12 people that yep. would believe a bunch of young black women, basically. Didn't didn't have enough smoking guns, but eventually we All found they enough. Had of them. It's just they, they weren't believed. Mm-hmm. It took a document. Sadly, it's just people, I, I think R. Kelly got away because people don't want to read. But <laughs> if you, know you watch what? it on, the second they put it on TV, I was like, oh my God, I had no idea about this. It, the Rolling Stone published it, just nobody read it. But dude, it's just like the Tiger King. Like that was already done years ago. Yeah. But then they get that thing on Netflix, and all of a sudden, people are like, wait, wait, I think she might have killed her dude or whatever. Right. Fed him to the Tigers. I'm like, bro, people have been saying that for a decade. <laughs> like, like that wasn't new. You know, so yeah, sometimes it just takes stuff like that. It's weird. But anyway, why don't we tell people what we learned this week? Because it's about that time. And we actually have some pretty interesting stuff for this one that people may or may not want to hear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my home state of Louisiana can continue to make me proud. Apparently, they have passed uh, House Bill 142 that requires age verification for any website that contains 33.3% or more pornographic material. I wonder how they came up with that number, and I wonder whose job it is to determine. Like, no, sorry, only 30%. That's random as hell. So, like, if you have, I don't know, let's say, like, deviant art, and you have to be like, nope, that has boobies. We're already over 33%. You're going to have to hold that until next month. Like Half a boob? This is going to be 33% naked? That seems just so arbitrary as to I have no idea how you would even enforce it. But then that's always been the problem with trying to enforce anti-porn legislation is one person's porn is another person's erotic art or you know just or erotic novel or what have you it is so much of this like like art is in the eye of the beholder i don't know but like what if the site is 35 percent, so they have to register for this 35 percent they gotta register but then the other one is 30 percent and like you can just freely see the boobies. Then, yeah, like, 30%, I don't... 30% is fine. Yeah, that's, Listen, I, don't, I don't know I don't how. Get it. None of it makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how you would go about determining that. I just, but then, as I said, that has always been kind of the problem with like, how do you enforce these regulations? Unless somebody just obviously, like, let's say, like, yeah, um, trying to think of like Pornhub, for example, has it in the name. You, you, you'd have to verify Pornhub because they've admitted to it. Yeah, it's just, we're not trying to be in any way pretentious. Or okay. This here's porn. So let's say, because there's, there's already a lot of sites that aren't even porn that you have to click the thing. Like if you go see anything, yeah. I think any of the like beer sites or something, you have to like yep. click a thing and say you are of at least drinking age or whatever, right? So let's say you do have 33, we'll say 35%. Right. Then what happens? Like, do I have to sign something or do I have to sign up uh, for a thing? Supposedly, you were supposed to verify your age through this thing, I guess, called Louisiana Wallet. So they're probably trying to get you to download some kind of app that tracks your information. Although the the, the uh, senator that, that helped pass this claims that, no, they're not taking this information. But it's, how can you verify they're 18? If you haven't taken at least that much of their information, 
like people ain't gonna sign up for this. Like you're telling me, citizens in the state are gonna go online, download whatever this wallet software is, just so when they happen to go to in a site that I guess has hit the state of Louisiana's blacklist or whatever I don't know what you want to call it. <laughs> That it triggers and says, oh, you got to put your information in here before we can let you see this site or whatever. Like, I, I, I can't picture people just freely doing that. Like, and then if you don't, how are they even going to know? She claims there will be consequences. And uh, since I've uh, thrown her, her pronoun out there, her name is uh, Lori Slagle, if I'm pronouncing that right, is the. Republican, of course, she's a Republican. Who was expecting anything else? Republican state rep for Metairie says, "Yeah, there will be consequences if you don't." She hadn't said what those consequences are. Well, yeah, I'm like, what are you going to find somebody because, right, like in their own home, they were looking at a thing and then didn't. Representative Slagle is going to come find you and give you a very stern talking to. Yeah, like I'm like you download the porn. And then you're like, oh, I thought the site was only 30%. My bad. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I didn't see that last booby. I'm sorry. I don't I took like, it over. You this know. is so bad. And honestly, at that point, all you're gonna do is create more money for what NordVPN or whatever it's always yeah. advertised. Because people's job is it to determine the percentage and are they hiring? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's question. true. That's true. But no, people would just be like, I'm not in Louisiana. I'm in Oklahoma or whatever. Yeah, there's so many ways around this to where it's, I mean, just it's ridiculous, as these laws tend to be. And also enlisting, you know, the ills of porn. Obviously, human trafficking is a real thing and should be investigated and prosecuted to the full extent of the law. But some of the other things she says are are consequences of porn or erectile dysfunction, depression, and fatigue. Fatigue? Man, somebody's really going to town. I, I try to keep a clean show. <laughs> I know, but, but, this is, but this is on the front page of but you know, dude, if, if Louisiana website. This is <laughs> front page news about the state. If you're sitting on a computer, you're getting it so much <laughs> that you're experiencing fatigue. Like you, you need. I, I, I guess being serious, you need to check yourself in. Yeah, like it's you, time at that point. Yeah, like you, that's addiction level for real. Like, I'm sorry, you, boss, I can't come to work today. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, dang. I, I watched 42 percent porn. Yeah, just, exactly. It was over I the legal limit today. Like I couldn't. I couldn't. That's that's. Oh my gosh, fatigue. <laughs> I don't now. And don't be wrong. Like human trafficking, I get right. There's you might have yeah. people doing things to create the porn that's not legal or whatever like that i get yes absolutely these people should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law but that's not the random viewer or citizen's fault you know what i mean like that that's a weird thing like it's it's placing the responsibility and the penalty on the wrong people i think that's my issue with it Right. Like a lot of laws. Right. Like we're really we should be changing things that affect the companies and the the business trail or whatever. But we're like, no, we're going to find this person if they don't do this one thing. Right. And it's like, well, why should a citizen be punished? They didn't know. They just walked into the situation. You know, so that's a tough one. You know, one of the things I was going to bring up is because of the way, you know, algorithms and social media and stuff works. 
sometimes your old videos on YouTube spring up and get shared with people. And I had a couple of people looking at something where I tested doing giveaways a while back. This was like year one of me making content. And because everything I read said like giveaways don't work or whatever. And I kind of wanted to do a test just to, for the sake of science, to show like why it doesn't work. And then it just lives there in perpetuity. And I can always share it with new people that are doing content. By the way, y'all, we didn't plan uh, the porn story being right in front of the YouTube giveaway story. That was not discussed no, before. That is actually pretty funny. It's just how they lined up. I didn't even think about that. But the interesting thing, though, is when I did it, I actually set it up to where you had to go to a, a Google Doc and just, it was a couple of quick multiple choice things. I think it was like three questions or something. And then if you did them correctly, your name goes into the drawing, right? And some of them were real simple, like what number was mentioned in the video or whatever. Because I literally told people when you go to number two, the answer's three or whatever it was, right? And you just had to click the right one. Large percentage of the people got it wrong because they were literally just showing up hoping to be part of a giveaway. They weren't watching the video, right? I told people at the time, like, what is the favorite color combination of the decks I've played on the channel? You literally could have just went to my video page and just hit control F <laughs> and just search and you would have found because I put the it was multiple choice. So you could have controlled F one of the four things and whichever one came with the most pick that one. Thirty seven percent or something got it wrong. Right. So like that series of stuff showed people that just like people are just hopping in just because you said you're giving something away. And the reason this doesn't actually work and people still think if you do these giveaways, you're going to get all these viewers and you're going to really extend your reach. And be, like one, even if that worked, it's not sustainable. Right. You're not going to keep giving away bigger and better things to keep getting more people. You just wouldn't have the budget for it. The other is, even if these people come and follow you or whatever for that video, they're ultimately going to be viewers that don't interact with all your other stuff. So you're getting people that are like, oh, yeah, I'm in. I'll subscribe, whatever. But then in the next time you put out a thing, YouTube's going to go, cool, we'll start with people who are subscribed to your channel and we're going to push it to them. Right. But when they don't click on it, now your click through rate goes way down and YouTube sees that as like, oh, maybe this video is not very good or it doesn't resonate with this audience. So now it has to go back and recalibrate to say, OK, can I find other people this video might work for or whatever? Right. So now you're not getting reach. You're not getting views. And it's partly because you did a giveaway because you have a bunch of hangers on that haven't unsubscribed yet or whatever. So I say this to say, if you are going to get into social media to make a living or even make a good side hustle, giveaways don't work to extend your reach and get a bunch of viewers. The rare circumstances would be if you're doing a special project that will likely get a lot of shares or views and it's in conjunction with somebody else. But the difference is you're not actually fronting that bill, right? You're working with a company that's giving you some giveaways to sustain that, right? That's the big difference. Like when I do giveaways, a lot of my stuff is from like Ultra Pro and they're, you know, that's part of our agreement. As I get stuff, I do my video or my content, whatever with it. And I do a lot of giveaways on Twitch or on, on Twitter or whatever. And that's because that's part of a promotional effort with my brand, but, or their brand, I should say, but it's not, I'm not doing it to extend my reach. I'm doing it as a reward for people that already follow me or people that are already on Twitter or on Twitch, you know, live watching a video. I'm like, hey, we're going to do a giveaway today, right? So I'm rewarding the people already there. And then it's more of a thank you to the community more than like, hey, let me draw some people in. Now, do some folks come along and they're a little more interested because they find out we're doing giveaways regularly? Yeah, I'm sure there's some number, but not enough that that's what I'm basing my efforts on. I think in the long run, giveaways are just going to get you the wrong people that 
aren't the organic growth you want that really help you kind of put fuel on the fire and accelerate. Like giveaways aren't going to do that. I almost tell everybody, whatever you were going to spend to do your giveaway, spend that money getting stuff to make better content. Whether that's upgrading a camera, getting better lights, upgrading your microphone, buying, I don't know, paying for the licensing on your editing software, whatever it is. Like that's going to do more to help you get more viewers in the long run and and expand your growth than doing a giveaway. It's, it's just wasted. I know a lot of people don't don't think so, and it doesn't necessarily logically make sense. But once you understand how everything works, it's not a thing you really want to be doing. But let's get into some other more, I don't know, let's call it somewhat disappointing or sad news. So one of the hot topics here over the last couple of days going on social media is people talking about, I guess you would say like the, the general value or collections of a lot of people for magic, especially if your stuff was from a lot of stuff from recent years, recent being the last like eight years, let's say, seeing that value eroded a bit from stuff being overprinted. And this kind of comes back to a conversation we had, Brian, where, you know, I remember saying that as much as people don't want things to be valuable, we need to have some things that are valuable because they serve a purpose in the system. You know, and I think just now people are coming around to that. And there was a, I believe they go by uh, Chai Style Gaming on Twitter, but they shared a post from Michael Barr. And I don't know where Michael Barr initially posted it, but uh, Michael Barr is the owner of Desert Sky Games in Arizona. And maybe in Chandler, if I'm not mistaken. And I've known Michael for a while, and he's he's pretty reputable. He understands his his business stuff. Like he's he's good. He has a really nice store too. But one of the things he talked about is, you know, as the price on some things he he'd been buying, you know, whatever, have dropped. Like that changes even how you deal with it, how you handle it. Right now, if somebody calls in and wants a, a whole commander deck that they're ordering, but the prices have all dropped so much to where it's all, you know, nickels and dimes, maybe a dollar here or there. Well, is it worth it for the 20 minutes it's going to take that employee to go through all the boxes of all the different sets and pull out all these cards to make it, well, maybe not even make a profit for that time. You know what I mean? Like depending, it, it may not even, may not even be 20, $30 worth. Right. So it's that stuff that you have to look at and say, like, that's one of the reasons you need some stuff to have value. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think we want a world where you're building a popular standard deck and you have to have three play sets of stuff that costs like $40 each. Like, I don't think we want that either. I think the sweet spot is for a lot of popular things or whatever to be in that like $10 to $20 range. I think a lot of people would be okay with that. And then you have like your chase rares or your numbered stuff or the, the things they've been doing recently, right? Those can be kind of super expensive, super rare. You know, the like whatever, the purple neon ink or whatever it was on the Hidexugu that was like $1,500 or whatever. That stuff can exist because they're chase rares and you can get regular versions of it. I don't think anybody has a problem with that. But the issue is, and I know I encountered this a few times because anybody watches my videos, at the end of all my gameplay videos, I do a thing called a card spotlight. And very often I've mentioned cards that I'm like, well, you know, this is over $30. This one's $45. Like it's primed up for a reprint. So if you're thinking about trading or selling, now might be the time. And that's kind of derived from these conversations the same 
mindset where people are saying, yeah, $30 is kind of the mark. Once stuff goes over 30 bucks now, you kind of go like, ah, this is probably going to get reprinted. And and nobody's really mad that it gets reprinted. But when we've seen stuff get reprinted and it goes from being $30, $40 down to $2, that hurts a lot of people. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we need to treat this as an investment vehicle or anything. I'm not, I'm not saying all that. But how do you encourage people to buy packs or stores to want to have deep inventory for you to go buy stuff for your, your commander decks or whatever, if nothing has value, right? That that's the real question. And this is what I was trying to pose before that you need things, not everything, but you need some reasonable amount of stuff to be in that 10, 15, $20 range. So there's profit to be made or even just to open a pack, right? It's exciting to open a booster pack and know you can get a 15 or $20 card. But if everything's, Hell, if we're to the point that you're excited to get a $5 card, (laughs) people probably aren't going to open a lot of packs. Hell, not even at the retail level, because they're probably going to lose money opening boosters. So, like, that's not any good either. But, you know, I I don't... I don't know, Brian. How do you feel about it? Because it's a a tough thing, right? Haven't you always lost money opening booster packs long time? Every once in a while, you pull that rare thing but it's always been buying singles has always been the better financial player you just know exactly what cards you want sure i think that's focusing on one aspect of it but even then if you set on a booster for two three years you normally got better value because stuff would go up but now there's stuff that's being reprinted even from the last three years or four years right so that's not even a guarantee anymore and i because i because i think we can both agree that like we'd love for the game to be more accessible, right? Like yeah. we, we want stuff to not be as expensive. So more people can play and like, I go and hell, and we've both been through stretches where we had a lot of money. So, I mean, yeah. I feel it, I get it, <laughs> but at the same time, and I saw this growing up collecting sports cards, comic books, whatever, like, and that was a difference between a brand like upper deck still being popular and people wanted to buy it. And a brand like Don Russ that nobody gave a damn about. Right, because one was plentifully available and you get every single yeah. card and it didn't matter, and the other was at least somewhat exclusive and rare and had a more expensive booster pack, and some of those cards still hold value today. But we saw it in comic books. Like as people started printing more books, m- m- number one issues don't even hold value for or didn't for a long time for stuff. That's changed a little bit recently, but there's a lot of books out there that like hell from 20 years ago. If I just want a near mint version one exists because everybody's collecting them and polybagging them yep right so it's tough and i guess maybe that's where my mindset comes from because i'd already seen that for years and now you're starting to have people talk about the actual business implications which is what i was warning people about like if there's no money to be made and i'm not saying there's none right now but some mid-level cards have basically trended to being worth nothing like there's some stuff that got reprinted that's basically almost bulk now. You know, it went from being $15 to being worth nothing. And is that also an impact of the game just being more casual? Because, you know, how much are you going to pay? It's one thing, you know, if you plan to stop everybody at your local tournament, but if it's just for a commander, you know, how how much are you going to spend? No, I think that's when- a relevant question. But no, actually, I don't think it's that at all. Because... There's a lot of cards that their only value comes because of Commander. You know, they're not played in any competitive format at and maybe all. Maybe that's just me. Like, if it's a fun format, I'm not spending more than 40 or 50 bucks. It's just fun. Sure. You know, I'm, 
But, I, I know I'm not. I'm probably not the majority. But I think it's still okay for something to be ten bucks. You know, especially yeah. if I only need one. Right, that's fine. But we're seeing even a lot of cards that were popular in Commander getting reprinted now. Not so much the Commander set specific cards. A lot of those are still holding value. But you know, over time, some number of those will get reprinted. We saw that with like uh, what is it, Teferi's Protection or whatever stuff like that. So. And even Teferi's Protection now has been printed, I think, four. Did we hit a fourth printing on that, I think? If you count, like, a secret layer or something? So, and that's only been out a couple of years. You know, so, this that, to me, I think, is the big issue. It's like, you have to balance printing new cards, but also giving time for cards to breathe and have some life. Whether Whether we like it or not, the secondary market is a real thing, and that has actually been one of the things that's kept Magic pushing and being as popular it is and promoted and as many stores and websites or whatever compared to a lot of other games because that was a robust secondary market you know people could hell i i paid for for school loans with magic how i paid for rent for a while with magic yep. right like there's a lot of things that magic has been able to provide for a lot of people because that exists now, don't get me wrong. I get the idea of like, ah, this game's too expensive and I want to be able to afford everything I want. Like, I get it. And that's, I'm not saying that's an unreal want to want it to be more accessible. But we also have to have a balance and have limits. Because once nothing has value, then nobody wants it. They just don't. Right? You're going to have a lot of people that lose interest. A lot of people that are just going to dump their collections. A lot of stores are going to close up. And admittedly, we're still a long way from that. I'm not saying that's going to happen tomorrow or anything like that, right? But if we keep on that trend, that's not good, right? And Wizards doesn't want that, right? They want you to be interested. They want you to buy booster packs. Yeah. They want to be able to hold tournaments. And they want stores to exist to help recruiting new players. And I think that's part of the... When when we heard the statements from Chris Cox toward the end of last year, I think that's where some of that was going. Is like when they said we're taking considerations basically from business partners and stuff and whatever, I don't think it was, everybody's going, oh, see, they're listening to that report that came out from Bank of America. It's like, no, there's way more people that are considered business relevant to them other than just Bank of America, right? There's at all levels, you've, you've got distribution partners, retail partners, or organizers, whatever, right? There's tons of people. And they know that, like, it's not one of those things that's talked about a bunch publicly where they're obviously not going to talk about the secondary market, blah, blah, blah. But they know those all exist. Like, it's a thing. They're out there. We know it's a thing. They know that people make a living off of that. They know that those people that make a living off of it also do a bunch of streams. They run a bunch of tournaments. They recruit a bunch of players, right? So it's good that those things exist. So you don't want to harm them and have those go away. But I think we have to have those real talks of, you know, people saying basically saying, like, we should burn it all to the ground and cards should be worthless. Like, you know how silly you sound? Like, and I know some people are going to be mad that I'm saying that, but, like, it's true. Like, if everything's worth nothing, why would, why, you don't get new magic cards. Right? Because at some point, is going to go away, people aren't going to buy stuff, Wizard starts losing money, there's no new magic cards. Now, admittedly, we're probably still a long way from that, but... It just it's a weird premise to carry. But to say, hey, I'd like for it to be cheaper. I'd like to there not be a bunch of thirty, forty, fifty dollar cards in standard or whatever, like those all make real sense. And we can have that discussion. 
But just saying you want to burn the value to the ground, it's like that. Eh, I guess I'm still trying to understand, like, who is buying these 30 and $40 cards up and why? If you're not, are you just that excited to curb stomp the people at your local Friday Night Magic? But again, a lot of it's commander players. Like, I, I literally can tell you, I had tons of people who would come in. And even when a card was like, I don't know, five to eight bucks. And they're like, ah, it's stupid. I don't want to buy four of those to play a standard deck, but whatever. And we'll literally turn around and give me a list of stuff they want where every card is a rare foil, whatever. And the cheapest thing on there might be 20 bucks. And, you know, you pull all the cards out, tell them it's $150. And they're like, great. And they just run their card and don't even think twice about it. That, so, that's wild to me. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, those people exist. Hell, I saw it at Magic 30. Like, I went by some of these different vendors' things, and they were literally two rows of people deep all the way around their booth the whole weekend for people to buy rare cards. Like, these people exist. But again, you can only do that and have those vendors there and have people excited because stuff has value, right? People could buy, sell, trade the whole time, right? That was an element of the show that was relevant to people. Hell, some people were able to afford going to Vegas for the show because they knew they were going to be able to sell some magic cards. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. That was a thing. So we we do have to have those real talks. I'm And I'm not trying to, again, not trying to be insensitive to people's financial situation and say that, like, the game shouldn't be more accessible or whatever. Like, absolutely. But we have to find that middle ground where some things are still collectible. And I think Wizards is trying that, right, over the last few yeah. sets. Like we said, like, the Neon Ink hit Exugus. You know, in the most recent set, we have the the serial numbered cards or whatever. So they're trying some things to say, okay, how can we still reprint stuff to make it affordable, but still keep a class of cards that's rare and valuable? Because I want to say, like, I still have people who are constantly trying to trade and buy the, uh, the, the latest expeditions that came out in the last Zendikar set, right? Those are still popular with people, and people are still trying to get those. So inserts and stuff are still working, and those are still carrying their value. But you also have to be careful, like, even though those are special versions, how many can we print before even the special version starts losing some value? Right? So it's it's a balance. And I think that's something it sounds like, and I don't know this to be fact, just going off of statements we've heard or whatever, it sounds like Wizards is at least putting some consideration toward that to try to make that better for the long haul. And I think it's these types of conversations that Wizards was concerned about more than what they the statement we heard from bank of America, honestly, but let's talk about somebody else's favorite topic, NFTs. And I'll be real. If it's somebody's favorite topic, you, they may not be one of your favorite people, but the NFT market is very interesting right now. Right. And I, and the reason I bring this up is because we have talked recently about, you know, how the whole thing affected storybook brawl and that did not go well. And, you know, they lost money on that. But there's other things that we're starting to see now where the NFT market is starting to fall off. Now, there's one or two things. And I, and I think, you know, we talked about this offline a little bit. I do believe it has to do with the function of the NFT. Right? Because I've said before, Magic Online is basically a pile of NFTs. Yeah. Right? Pretty you, much any digital card game is. Yeah. You, you buy a thing. You, you get an asset. The asset is assigned to your account. If you buy, sell, trade it, whatever you do with it, the lineage can be tracked back to previous owners, whatever. It's all coded, all that stuff. It basically functions like an NFT. 
And it's less functional than some <laughs> NFTs, to be honest. Fair. But, you know, value can go up or down, that whole thing, right? And unfortunately, a large chunk of the NFT market was either A, just honestly, I know it's subjective, but bad art. Yeah. And or B, it was stuff with a promise of, okay, we're eventually going to try to do this thing with it. And we saw so many things come out like, oh, well, we're going to sell these NFTs first, and then we're going to make a game or something to go with these. And then that product never appeared, right? That was very common. And then you had, I guess there's technically a third category, because you have stuff like Top Shot that were just collectibles, right? They weren't selling you art, they weren't selling you game, but it was at least tied. Some, to of, them, some of them do have, like Sorar has a game you can play along with the NFTs. Yeah, yeah, those still exist. I'm talking about the ones that are struggling right now. <laughs> like the, There was a fair amount that, as long as there is a purpose to the NFT, at least seemed to be holding some value. Yeah. I think at the end of everything, though, it was a bunch of people with money bought these things, assuming eventually somebody's coming along and buy them. But it was going to have to be just other people with money. But if everybody with money already bought all the things, who's going to buy what from who? And then we just started seeing prices drop, right? And not just drop, like bottom, like on a lot of them. Yeah. You know, we I just saw a chart earlier talking about a Top Shot where their top month they did over two hundred million dollars in sales, and their most recent month I don't even know if they did a quarter of a million dollars in sales. Right, it, it's just night and day, and you're talking about like a what a year year and a half difference. Yeah, like because I think a lot of the people you know that were planning to to cash in short term they they're gone because the short term cash in isn't a thing. Who's left now? People that like basketball cards like me. Yeah. And then they're just a, a, a digital basketball card. Right. And in that case, I think now it's kind of what it should be. But, you know, they had all kinds of issues too, trying to keep it too collectible. And yeah, yeah. there, there was the a lot. The cues were horrible. And they encouraged that because it made it look more like something that was hot that you had to wait in line to get. Yeah. There, a lot of stuff like that, I think, just did them no favors. But it, it's very, very interesting because. Don't get me wrong. I know people are going to like, ah, NFT talk, blah, blah. But like, there are functional uses for them. Like we're saying, like these other games, right? They Their parts are basically in it. We don't call them that in some cases, but that's basically what it is. And and, I, and I'll and i tell people openly, like I had conversations with people behind the scenes and I'm not going to give away strategy or plot here because they may still move forward with the thing. But we talked about, you know, artists that would work on stuff, how the products would be used you know, how things would be promoted. What were the benefits of doing it? Other than just like, we know people are going to call this an NFT. Like, what are we doing with it? Right. And having a whole different plan. And I was like, okay, cool. So basically you're just making a game and whether you like it or not, people will refer to the pieces as NFTs, but that's fine. Right. I think that's a whole different thing. But outside of that, the only other time I even looked at them was thinking about, like you said, a short term gain, right? If I bought yep. 5k worth and I figured there was going to be a peak and a, and a collapse. So yep. I was like, can I even get ahead of the collapse? Or even if I'm a, you know, on the short end of the collapse, could I still like five or 10 X my money? And I thought maybe I could, <laughs> but then I thought, nah, I don't want to gamble with it. I'll probably just do something stupid or I'll forget and miss. And, you know, as it turns out, I probably could have done like a hundred X my money at one point, yep. but hindsight, you know, whatever, <laughs> but, but realistically everybody was just in it and getting out on a cash grab. Right. Once they saw that nobody was buying, it was a who, who could sell first, effectively. Yep. And now you're seeing that even with Logan Paul, 
right? He's he's having an issue now because I think CryptoZoo was a company he was invested in or something. And now there's a couple of creators calling it a scam, though I guess now there's understanding that because the reports came out on it that the company's still going to try to move forward and release a game either in 2023, early 2024 using the NFTs. So I don't know. There, there's a lot happening there. But we're seeing it all over the market. And I feel almost confident saying, I say almost because things could always change. But I think we've passed the hype zone of NFTs. I think now when we see who's sustained and who's still around, it's okay. Now we're starting, we're going to start the next phase of what can we actually do with this information and this technology, right? Can we do fun projects? Can we make games? Can we, uh, I, uh, who was it? The guy that had, God, well, he was in that 70s show. He had the, the MTV show where he pranked Oh, Ashton Kutcher? Yeah. Him and his woman, they actually... Mila Kunis. Yeah, I don't know what he was he, he doesn't know the names. I don't know celebrity names. But, like, I can tell you what they've done that I've seen them in, you know. But they had, a, I guess, a, a cartoon or something, some animated series, where they were trying to use NFTs, I guess, to, like, as access points to the show or something. And then, you like, because you paid to watch it, you got a token or something. And I, it, it was a weird system, but it's basically how they funded their animated series, you know, that apparently was reasonably popular online. So, I mean, that's one use. I don't know how good it is, but at least you're trying to do something with them. You know what I mean? Like, there's a purpose to what you're doing. So, I don't know. I, I think we're going to see just... I don't think they're going away. But I think we'll start seeing more interesting ideas and things. Because now, there's enough information to say, like, okay, just as collectibles, this doesn't work. Right? Just as a weird niche piece of art, this isn't what people want. Like, we, we now know this. <laughs> Unless, apparently, you're fans of our 45th president and then yeah you know <laughs> like oh, it's a short term game although i think uh bored ape still has what a restaurant or something so yeah which is so far reviews are okay and apparently our former president is being sued so there's that cuz uh, none of the artwork of was original apparently somebody whoever put them together just went around the internet took art and then slapped trump's face on things as it turns out it's a very interesting story if you want to go read it but a lot of people covered it already so yeah so it's a weird time man i i I think we've seen i would say effectively the i guess the short-term rise and fall of nfts which again will probably be some cool documentary down the road oh absolutely it's gonna be all kinds of 30 for 30s and what have you oh yeah that'll definitely be a thing but yeah, I, I I don't want to call them some were, but a lot of them I don't think they were scams. I think people genuinely thought like, okay, this is going to be a thing people can invest in and whatever, and then it just wasn't. You know, and I think that's the tough part. I, and I do feel bad because there were people I saw that literally said, you know, oh yeah, I took my savings and I bought into X Y Z and or you know I got into this particular NFT brand or whatever. Or I I invested in this company. And I was like, bro, you you have all kinds of faith. Like, I, I mean, if you take well, like, it's like with stocks, long as you monitor everything and you know when to get out, you can oh, turn sure. a profit that way. I mean, I could, and like I said, I I could have taken like a quarter of what I had saved and put it in there. Yeah, you, know? you don't put all your eggs in with anything. Not yeah, with you know, you don't you don't do that with the four hundred one k from your job because unfortunately, you could end up working for Enron, yep. the MCI World Cover. You never, whatever the investment is, don't put. All your money into one thing. 
yeah, I was just like, man, you took the whole thing? Like, ooh, good luck. <laughs> you know, like, hell, I we was like. Some, we bought some AMC stock when that was a hot thing, and I made sure I woke up every day. First thing I did was check how it was doing, and when it started trading there, like, yeah, okay, we're out, and we turned a nice little profit on those. Yeah, and that's cool. Like, And you could have done that without a heavy investment even. Right. So that, that, we didn't put, I think we paid like maybe six or seven bucks a piece for them. Yeah. So that I don't mind. Like I, I can do that all day. Hell, I've, I've wasted probably that much going to the movies a couple of times. You know what I mean? So right. like, <laughs> that's, that's fine. But when you start talking, you know, some of these people putting in tens and tens of thousands, I'm like, Ooh, I don't know about that. You could have made a down payment on a house. Like, what are you doing? But yeah. It's interesting. I, I don't know where things go from here, but it, I think we've at least reached the point that, you know, like you're saying, with, with something like Top Shot, you at least now have fans that are getting to have cool pieces. And it's attached to another brand and a product, and, and that works. Or like we're seeing with games, I think that's going to be a use. But yeah, I think we can maybe get past the point of having to just be mad at NFTs now, because that was a thing. Uh, I think people have realized kind of the way they were being used was not going to be sustainable, and we're, we're starting to deal with that. But... uh. We have a topic. I think we're going to move to next week so we can get to a uh, a very... This is more of a fun dinner table conversation. And we've had a little time to think about this. But I get asked a lot, like, if I could change stuff or would I change things or whatever about the game or, or you know, the hobby or whatever. But that, that led me to bring it up on the show because I think this is an inf- interesting conversation. So I want to ask you, Brian, what is, if you could, let's say we, we were CEOs of Wizards for a day, or hell, I don't know, Hasbro maybe. What's one thing you would use your time to change in Magic? Or at, or at Wizards, if that's a thing. I would let people dust their arena cards or trade them if they wanted to. Okay. Okay. I I could see that. Like, I, that's a thing, you know, honestly, because people have asked me, like, do I think that's a thing that should exist? I think I would like for it to. But I think I also, from a business implication, I think I rationalize early on with myself. Like, we're either going to get a good amount of free stuff or we get to trade or sell stuff. But I don't think we get both. Mostly because I don't know of a game where you have both. And I I don't know what the business model would look like to sustain that. But I do agree with you. I think it would be a nice feature. Like if they said they were going to give us less other rewards to allow us to just scrap cards for stuff. I would at least want to try it for a few months. Like, let us see how we feel about it. I mean, I know it's like a ton of technology to put in and test or whatever, but like, I'd be kind of interested. Like, maybe we're all wrong about not having it or something. Because I think it would make a lot of people feel good at the very least. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I I could get behind that. I think that's a good one. I, I, from, hmm, what would I change? All right, so... I think one thing I would do, maybe maybe I have two things. One one thing I would do for sure is, and people are not going to like this, but I would make sure at least two seasons a year of qualifiers or events or whatever focused on standard. 
And I know people like the idea of like, well, I want to just show up. I just want to play modern. I want to play pioneer. We're like, okay, that's all fine and good. But historically, we have seen that standard drive sales, drive singles, drives more booster packs. It's accessible for newer players, right? Tends to be cheaper. And I think that's important. Like, not saying it has to be all year. Just two of the seasons and you have two others. Like, let's say, you know, quarter one and quarter three are standard focus. The others could be whatever you want them to be. But I think the game needs that, and we haven't had that for a bit. And it started... I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, and it started even back when I was at Wizards, where they opened up... Because for a while, qualifier seasons were all the same, wherever you went, right? You had a season that was standard or modern or it was sealed or whatever, right? And every event you went to for whatever it was, like, eight or 10 weeks were going to be the same thing, right? So you could prep for a season, you could practice, and then, you know, you just try to qualify. But then at some point, enough people complain like, well, my players really want to have modern or my players really want to have whatever. So Wizards opened it up and said, okay, cool. You can pick any of these formats to be the event for your store, which kind of makes sense. Don't be wrong. I I don't think it's bad for Wizards to say, hey, this is what the retailers are asking for. We should give it to them. Like, Generally speaking, that's kind of a good idea. But I don't think we saw huge numbers because of its shift. Now, there was some more positivity, which is always good. So, you know, not arguing against that. But I do think over time, you lost some of that growth because you didn't have standard available, right? And the people who were showing up to play some of these Pioneer or modern tournaments or whatever were basically just playing the cheapest decks they could buy. Not even ones they really wanted to play, but it's like, oh, well, I could buy the red burn deck for... 50 bucks, I guess I'll just get that so I can play in these tournaments or whatever, you know? And I saw that quite a lot, where people would just pick one of the cheapest decks and just play that, as opposed to if it was standard and they spent the same 50, 60 bucks, they could at least get something they were more interested in, possibly, right? And still have more fun. So I think that, of all things, is probably what I would do if you wanted to, like, jumpstart some of the sales again, some of the growth you know, make it more accessible for some of the new people that just started playing. Plus, there's card familiarity, right? If people started playing during the pandemic on on Arena, if it was standard and they go buy a deck, they know all the cards, right? So the format's more familiar. So there's even that. So yeah, I, I think that's probably what I would do more than anything. And then, you know, like I talked about last week or the week before, man, get somebody on branding more accessories we can buy. Like, everything. Literally everything. I I want... Like, I don't know, a set of steak knives that have, like, the mana symbols on the handle. You know, I I want <sighs> area rugs. I want air fresheners. I want curtains. I want, you know, like, let, let me, you know what? Let me get earrings that you could sell that are the mana symbols. That'd be sweet. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not asking for huge stuff. Just, like, man, get the brand out there. Get some partners that make specialized, cool things that everybody uses and sell the crap out of them. Does everybody use steak knives? Well, I don't know. Probably not. Like, but you know what I'm saying? Like, there's stuff. Yeah. Like, you walk around the house, there's tons of things. Hell, I ain't gonna lie. I own some bootleg glasses and mugs that I got off Etsy, I think, a couple years ago. I had the mana symbols frosted on them, and they're cool as hell. But I know they ain't officially licensed. <laughs> like, real talk. Like, I own some. I, don't, I think I got them as a gift, so I didn't buy them. But... 
I know where they came from. <laughs> but make this thing that I didn't buy, but somebody else did, Wizards. I'm just saying, that. but I, I know where it came from. And people would buy those if they existed. Because I've had multiple people ask me, like, oh, did you get these while you work at Wizards or whatever? But I was like, nah, they were gifted to me, but I'm pretty sure they're bootleg. <laughs> uh, I, I still feel like video games is, is where they need to be going. That's still that's still a thing, too, though. I mean, we talked about that last week. Like, partner with these brands and get stuff out there. Like, branding is real and get people who have expertise in all these other spaces and let them do because to be honest some of the stuff i've got rewarded for doing cool like preview videos and stuff for them or whatever like the wooden boxes we got that were customized and stuff are really cool like they they can definitely do things with brand partners like there's been some cool stuff they've sent out that if you made those available for people there is infinite things you could you could do like there are so many things you can make that we just don't have and, I, and I'm not even joking. Like, there were literal, like, pages and pages and pages of stuff that other Hasbro brands had out in the world, especially stuff like Transformers. But even randomly, like, Monopoly and stuff had a bunch of things. So I'm just like, yeah, why can't we make this for Magic? There's so much extra money to be made. So th those would be my two things. More partnerships and branding to produce more cool stuff for Magic and D&D. &D, and adding a couple of seasons a year so we can kind of restart standard restart some of that growth the the lower entry level things for players i think that won't at least try the competitive scene especially since like we're back to pro tour existing i think those two things would would probably be what i would ask for if i were were put in charge but all right brian one tour brother they can find you on the social media machine right. i am brian sonic on twitter youtube instagram and our family channel on youtube is alan's ever after and you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. And if you want to see some cool reviews, I have some sweet stuff coming on my review channel. It's just Power Dragon Reviews, so go check that out. But as always, wherever you are listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please take care of yourselves and your family, and remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate other patreon.com slash color of magic you can also find us on facebook under color of magic and if you want to follow us along at twitter you can find us there at color of mtg and as always please share the podcast around to your friends your network people you think might enjoy it because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base 